0: filler in business books and audiobooks takes up time that you don't have you're here because you want the golden nuggets from each book without all the BS. The more you learn, the more power you have to affect the world around you. This is the Cut the Crap Podcast. Never read a book again. And here's your host, Ryan Calaguri. What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me on another episode of Cut the Crap Podcast, where week after week, I'm condensing business books down to their core golden nuggets, saving you time from having to read all of those books yourself. Again, it's tough to try to get in a book a week. So if you can't do that yourself, come to me. I got you covered. So this week, I've received a lot of, well, maybe not this week, but over the past few weeks, I've received a lot of feedback from people saying they want to see more sales-related books. So I'm listening, and I'm going to deliver for you guys. We got a sales book today. It's called Agile Selling by Jill Conrath. So in this book, Agile Selling, you'll discover why being agile in sales is a critical factor for your success. Very simply, those that are agile they're going to win more than those who are stuck in their ways. And so Jill Conrath shares with us some techniques, some things that she found worked quite well for her to ensure she was agile, to ensure that she was successful, and to make sure that she was hitting her numbers. Without further ado, let's crack right into this one. Agile Selling by Jill Conrath. Golden nugget number one, great salespeople adapt to change. Change is the only constant, you guys. As a salesperson, you have to get comfortable with change. Your clients, they're always changing. The number of prospects you have, they're changing. Your clients' needs, they're changing. The market's changing. The questions you ask your customers, your prospects, they're changing. The presentations you'll need to use, those should be changing as well too. Change is inevitable. If you're uncomfortable with change, you're going to really have a tough time becoming a really successful salesperson. And what do I mean by that? Well, if you look at somebody's presentation deck, if they reuse the same slides over and over and over again, and there's very little personalization that goes into each deck, chances are they're not a top tier sales professional. Personalization is absolutely critical. And personalization is all about change. You have to be comfortable changing up your sales deck every single time that you're talking to a new prospect. You might be talking to prospect A, B, or C, Every single deck, and when I say deck, I mean your presentation deck, needs to change. You need to adapt it to be specific to them. Because in this world, the only thing that I'm paying attention to is something that's hyper-relevant to me. And if you're just presenting this presentation deck to me that's just simply uh, a regurgitation of the benefits of working with you or the benefits that you've provided to other people and that's all you're communicating quite frankly, it's informative, but it's not really all that relevant to me. And if it's not relevant to me, it's not penetrating right through. And that's what you need. And the only way you're going to do that is if you're comfortable with change. And I know a lot of folks, a lot of folks, who just aren't comfortable changing up their slide deck every single time they talk to a new person. And when I say change up your slide deck, I don't mean change up the the entirety of your slide deck. You might have your basic... You know, five or six slides that talk about your corporate capabilities, a little bit about you, a little bit about your management team, some case studies to provide some social proof. All that's gravy. It's awesome. However, what you're going to do for that specific person that you're talking to, that's the piece that you need to customize. Ask them questions about their industry. Provide them information about their competitors. Give them something meaty that's relevant to them that's going to say, man, this person, they did their research. And then providing me with some really pertinent, relevant information that, uh, you know, it's gonna pique my interest. That's what you want. To bring it all back to the book now, I'm kinda going off on a tangent here, but to bring it all back to uh, agile selling, Jill Conrath harps on the idea of learning quickly. So, what she does is she gives us six steps on how we can learn quickly. So, these six steps are number one, chunk information, break big chunks of information into smaller chunks. So an example here is a presentation deck. Again, it's, you know, um, what do we need to do to create a presentation? It's a really big job. So break it down into chunks. Number one, make sure that you have your um, prospect's logo on there. Number two, make sure you have a slide about their, um, uh, their, their competition. Number three, make sure you have a slide about their industry. Number four, make sure you have a list of questions that are specific to that prospect that'll help to advance the sale. So again, you might have this big thing of, Develop presentation. Okay, we'll break that down into smaller chunks and maybe divvy up those chunks throughout the day. Next is sequencing. So here she tells us that we need to determine what comes first in terms of order of importance. Now, this is not so much about prioritization as it is just about looking at what needs to be done first. Okay, so you don't need to create a presentation with proposal templates. Um, You don't necessarily need to have your references there ready for you yet because you're not there yet. If you're in a prospecting meeting, just make sure you get the prospecting stuff done. Make sure you've done your research. Make sure you have your questions written out for that prospect for that specific point in time where you're at. Okay, you don't have to do everything under the sun. Just focus on what's most important right now. Next is connecting. So this is all about linking new skills and information to something you already know. Okay, so questions. So now you're preparing for a new prospect meeting. You have a list of questions that you've already used previously in multiple uh, prospecting meetings. Now connect other questions to that. Do a little bit of research before you go ahead and ask those questions. Do some Googling, go through and ask some of your peers to say, hey, what are some top prospecting questions that I should ask? And start injecting some of that into your process that already exists. This is all about connecting. So the fourth one, this is really important, this was a big one for me, dumping. Dump unnecessary information. So number one, cut the stuff that's not important to you. And number two, get the stuff that's in your head, out of your head and onto paper. This is such an important piece for me to realize. And I realized this when I read a book a long time ago, um, Getting Things Done. I think it was by David Allen. I'll have to uh, feature that book on the podcast at some point because it's a really good book. But what he said in there was that the mind is not best for retaining information. The mind is best used for processing information. You can't process information if you are holding on to a whole bunch of information. So if you're holding on to a lot of information, dump it. Get it out onto paper so that you have your mind to process, to be creative, to think. If you have all that stuff in your head, you're going to have a tough time processing information. So dump unnecessary information. Number five, practicing. Deliberate practice is key in sales. Role playing. How often do you role play with other people? Okay, role play, get into a scenario where you're the customer, I'm the salesperson, or you're the salesperson, I'm the customer, let's get into it. And really just let your guard down and start to role play. Yes, screw up, fumble over your words, don't worry about it. That's the point of role playing. How often do you practice your prospecting call before you go and make that call? How often do you ask those questions to yourself before you get into a meeting with your prospect? Preparation is everything. I'm going to get into that a little bit later on, but you have to practice to be a great salesperson. And finally, number six, prioritizing. You got to decide which activities are most important at this time. So again, it's just, I have a whole bunch of things on my plate. Great salespeople, they have to be great at prioritizing their day. So before you end your day, so if today's Monday, you have to figure out what I'm going to do on Tuesday, Monday night, or Monday before you leave the office. So do your to-do list. I have three things that I absolutely must accomplish. And this is the order of importance. Number one, get the proposal out. Number two, do research on the prospect. Number three, whatever. I always do that. Every single day before I leave the office, I make sure that my plan for the next day is built out already. Here's the three things you need to do. Here are the people you need to call. Here's the meetings you have to go to. Here's the time it's going to happen. A great way to prioritize to you guys, if you're not doing this yet, you got to do it. Put it into your calendar. Keep yourself accountable. You have a to-do list. Awesome. Put that to-do list in your calendar and earmark time. So if your day starts at 8, then from 8 to 10, I'm going to do the proposal. From 10 to, or from 10.30 to 11, I'm going to do some calls. From 11.30 to, you know, 1.30, I'm going to whatever, do X, Y, Z. Earmark that time in your calendar. It's a great way to help you prioritize. So now to come all the way back to this golden nugget. Golden nugget number one, which is great salespeople adapt to change, Jill Conrath gives us some pieces here that'll help us to learn quickly. And she says that to adapt to change, you need to be a fast learner. Some of the takeaways from this one that I talked about was, again, don't reuse your presentation template. Your presentation template needs to be salient. It needs to be relevant. You need to make sure that it's specific to each prospect that you're going after. Golden nugget number two, to be successful in sales, you have to bring a level of optimism to the table. So before I get into this one, I got to let you guys know, um, between Golden Nugget number one and this one right here, there was a huge gap of time because I am sick as a dog right now. I am so sick. I feel like garbage. Just overall... um you know, I don't know what I caught. I caught something here. But again, I just want to let you guys know that again, it's my commitment to you guys to ensure I'm getting this out every single Monday morning. Well, Monday morning, if you're in this part of the hemisphere, if you're in the Eastern Hemisphere, you're kind of getting this on the uh, in the afternoon. But uh, depending on where you're listening in the world, it's my commitment to get this to you every single Monday. You know, rain or shine, sick or not sick, whatever. So I just hope that I'm able to bring the same level of quality and energy to this podcast as I have other ones. But if it's not quite there... That's why I'm feeling a little under the weather right now, you guys. So um, bear with me as I get through this one. But whether or not I'm sick or not, I've got to put this out there for you guys. So uh, let's get right back into this one, though. So again, optimism, guys. It's so important in sales. And I understand this because for myself, I'm an optimist. By nature, I am an optimist. I try to look at the bright side of things all the time. I look for um, the lessons in the weeds of of problems. And as you guys know from other episodes, you know, my philosophy, very similar to that of Marcus Aurelius and in meditations, which was a few episodes ago, um, I believe that when problems come my way, that there's something in there for me to learn from them. And it's just that optimistic way of looking at things. that's going to keep you going in sales. And why is optimism so important in sales? Well, for anyone in sales, you know that sales is lonely. Sales is lonely. It's filled with failure, just rot with failure along the way. You know, you're making your prospecting calls. No one's calling you back. You're sending emails. People aren't emailing you back. You're putting out proposals there that people hate price, and you got to haggle back and forth on price. You put out proposals, and people don't call you back. How annoying is that? You They ask for a proposal. You send it to them, and they just go dark on you. I know a lot of you folks out there who are in sales. You guys know the feeling. It sucks. It really sucks. And so if you're pessimistic, man, I don't know if you're going to get through that. I really don't. And not only the, the sales process itself, but just being able to learn, going into a new marketplace, learning new techniques, learning what questions work and which ones don't. The whole process of learning requires optimism because if you're going out into this new un, you know unexplored land and you don't know something, you're putting yourself in a vulnerable state. And if you're pessimistic, you know, you might say, I don't know why I'm trying to do this. It's taking me forever to learn this. I don't get it. I don't know if this is going to work. None of that attitude is going to help you at all. You have to be optimistic. You know, yes, it's hard now, but damn it, I'm going to get it. Yes, this is hard, but I know it's worth it. And it's going to give me the payback that I need to be successful in sales. That's the kind of energy, the kind of intensity, the kind of optimism that you have to bring to the table in order to succeed. In sales, that is. And so, to help get yourself more in an optimistic frame of mind, Jill Conrath gives us a few things we can do. So, number one, power poses. I've talked about this one with you guys before. This one is so key. I've given you guys my my example that I use, my Superman pose, right? Where I have my cape and I walk upright. Uh, Well, walking upright, of course. I'm walking on my hands and knees, of course. But uh, no, I'm walking straight. My shoulders are back, my head's held high. And I'm trying to make sure my cape stays high, baby. And that's how I'm walking. And that's my pose. So when I'm going to a meeting, I'm walking in with that cape flowing behind me. So if you are ever in a, in a meeting with me, you're going to definitely see me doing this. And poke fun at me. Be like, hey, man, how's that cape working out? And I, we'll get a good laugh out of it. But it's even how you position yourself in meetings. Again, are your shoulders slumped down? Are your shoulders held back? You know, are your eyes looking down? or Are they looking straight directly at the prospect? One of the things I love is just sort of the, uh, the angled sit, So I kind of like to sit very close to the desk, kind of like to angle the chair a little bit, have one arm laying on the desk, kind of my forearm laying on the desk with a pen in my hand, the other hand just kind of on my hip or on my lap, but I'm just very close, very close to the desk. That to me is another power pose. You might see me in this pose very often in a meeting. And other times, I like to stand up when I present because it makes me feel powerful. And so I stand up because all these feelings just make me feel more confident. And the more confident I am, the more optimistic I am that I can get something done. right. Your physiology determines your psychology. I've told you guys this before. This is so important. And yet so many people don't put this into practice. If you're feeling sad, if you're feeling scared, if you're feeling intimidated, get that pose into place, you guys. Your physiology determines your psychology. So get yourself into a pose that makes you feel strong, that makes you feel confident, and it's going to help you be a little bit more optimistic. It's going to help you bring a little bit more energy to the table. Okay. Another one that Jill Conrath says, she says, surround yourself with positive people who will support you, people who will push you. That's key as well, too. You got to have a team around you. And in sales, it's lonely, man. Sometimes you're just on your own and it's just all you. You're doing the calls. You're going out on meetings. You're the person who's leading the charge. So one thing that I love to do is I love to surround myself with people who who are going to support me. People are going to be like, man, you know what? It's tough. You didn't win this one, but you know what? Go back out there and get it. You know, surround myself with a solid team, and my team's awesome. That man, my team is great, and uh, and I absolutely love them for the support that they provide to me. But uh, sometimes you're on your own, and they're not there. They're busy too. They're doing delivery work, or they're out there selling prospects on their own, um, and so you don't have anybody. So what do you do? Well, for myself, I do things like I tune on pod- I tune into podcasts. I listen to guys like Gary Vaynerchuk. I'll throw in some Tony Robbins, some Jim Rohn, some uh, Grant Cardone, Chet Holmes, and I'll start listening to some of those. Uh, podcasts. I'll start listening to some of those YouTube videos and I'll get myself pumped up. I'll be like, man, if they could do it, I can do it. Listen to what they're saying. Listen, if I can just listen to that and apply that to my life, man, why can't I get the exact same thing? I can't get the same thing. So in this world of interconnectivity, it's so easy for us to stay optimistic, to stay motivated. So pop on some of those old videos or even just tune into me. I I get a lot of people who say they listen to me and uh, it motivates them. It pumps them up and it's one of the reasons why I put the um, the motivational speeches at the very end of each episode because I, I want people to leave feeling inspired. I want them to feel motivated. I want them to learn something and I want them to be in a positive state of mind to just ready to go at it and put something in a place and win the week essentially. And that's why I do that, guys. I want you to win the week. That's what it comes down to. I just want you to win. I want to give you guys information. I want to pump you guys up and I want to throw you out there in the world and hopefully you can take something that I give you and you can use it in some small way to make yourself a little bit more successful week after week. So last thing that Jill Conrath says to sort of increase your optimism, increase your energy levels, increase your confidence. She says, set small progress goals. And I like this. So instead of saying, listen, I want to close 50 deals this month, instead of putting that number out there, focus on making progress. So say, you know, if you're saying 50, no, no, no. Say, listen, I closed 40 deals last month. This month, I want to close 50 deals because that will indicate that I'm improving. It's a very slight shift, but be honest with yourself. Can you close 50 deals? Don't set yourself up for failure. If you're not going to do it, you're not going to do it. Let's just say last, last month you closed 10 deals. Okay, what makes you think you can close 50? You think just because you work harder or because you put in more time, you're going to be able to close more deals? It's not necessarily true. Set small progress goals for yourself. So what did you do last quarter? What did you do last month? Okay, if you closed 10 deals last month, this month you wanna close 15. This month I wanna close 15 deals because last month I closed 10, it's gonna show that I'm progressing. By constantly hitting that goal, by constantly hitting that target, it's gonna make you feel better about yourself. You're gonna start to believe in yourself. But if you set stretch goals that are far too out there, it's gonna make you feel like you're a loser. "Ah, I couldn't achieve it, I couldn't do it, I'm never gonna hit that number. And it's just gonna make you feel like crap, essentially. I really, really like this one because it hits home with me. When I was younger, I would set um, stretch goals that were way out there, way out there. So, you know, I closed five deals. You know, next month, baby, I'm gonna close 50 deals. I got this, I got this. I'm just gonna put in more time, more effort, I'm gonna call more people, I'm gonna do it. And people love that kind of enthusiasm, that youthful enthusiasm. The problem is it's not realistic. And when I didn't hit that 50, man, was I down on myself. I was like, man. I'm terrible. How did I not hit that? I thought I was going to hit that. I put in so much time, so much effort, so much energy, and I only got 20. Man, I wasn't even close to that. Yeah, but hold on. You closed five last month and now you hit 20. Celebrate that. Be happy about that. The problem was I set a goal that was unrealistic. Okay. So I love Jill Conrad's idea about setting small progressive goals. Don't stretch too far. Just make sure that every single day you're continuing to progress and you're able to prove that with your numbers. Golden nugget number three. Successful salespeople thoroughly prepare for every sales opportunity. So this is something that Jill Conrath harps on and I'm glad she does because I agree with it. She says that excellence in sales demands thorough preparation and it absolutely does. And the funny thing with salespeople is that for the most part, you know, we're all fairly... Extroverted. I mean, introverted, extrovert doesn't really matter, but we're fairly good talkers. We can talk our way through some troubles and we can, you know, become very personable with someone. We have a lot of charm and charisma that we can use to our advantage. And unfortunately, that also comes as a detriment to us. No matter how charming you are, potential customers, they won't buy from you unless you've done your research. So an example that Jill Conrath shares with us in the book, she talks about how she was like that. And I think all of us were like that. I can tell you for a fact that I was like that. And I have to keep myself in check because sometimes I can think that I can just get by on my charm and my charisma. When in fact, I know from experience that when I do my research, I'm far more prepared and far more effective at closing a deal when I do my research and I bring that research forward. Listen, you can like me and... You can find me charming or charismatic, that's fine. But how you're really going to like me is when I help you with your business. That's when you're going to really like me. So in any case, back to Jill Conrath's story. Jill was realizing that, you know, through preparation, through role playing, she realized that she wasn't quite ready yet. You know, she didn't have the answers to the objections she had. She didn't have the right questions to ask that would reveal the answers that she needed to go further in the sales conversation. And yet she thought she was all good because she was like, I'm charismatic, I'm smart, I'm intelligent, I think quick on my feet, I can get by this stuff. No, you can't be that overconfident and you have to ensure that you're putting the time aside to prepare. And so some of the things that she says you need to prepare, number one, make sure you have a good list of questions in front of you. You have to make sure you know the questions that you're going to ask and what your follow-up questions are going to be absolutely key so again i completely agree with her i usually have a list of 10 to 15 questions that i need to ask in order to um, move and progress to advance the sale some of them are open-ended some of them are closed-ended questions but i have my list of questions with me number two she says you must identify the buyer's journey you know what's the process for making the decision in the company who controls the budget who's the decision maker here you know am i talking to the decision maker does this person have control of budget You have to understand what the steps are, what the buyer's journey is. You know, do they need approval from the board? Do they need to get access to money first? You need to understand that as a salesperson. Otherwise, you're in the dark and you have no idea what the next step is. And so that's key too. And that comes down to preparation once you actually get in the door. The third thing that Jill says you have to prepare for, objections. This is critical. All salespeople will face objections. Whether you're doing a prospecting call, whether you're doing a qualifying call, whether you're doing a first, um, a first meeting, you're always going to run into objections. Objections about related to need, objections related to your service offering, objections related to you, objections related to the price. Whatever it is, you're going to face objections throughout the entire sales process. And as you become more seasoned, your toolbox of responses to those objections is going to grow. However, if you're new to sales, you might not know those, those answers to the objections. So you have to prepare for those. And a great way of doing that, role-playing. Role-play with a colleague. Role-play with a friend of yours. And go ahead and just start asking them these questions. Or have them ask you questions. And see what kind of objections come up. You know, even the very beginning when you're doing cold calling, if you're doing cold calling and you're calling people and you say, hey, you know, this is Ryan. You know, I'm with company XYZ. Uh, We deliver services A, B, and C, and we do this fantastic. We've done this for our clients. I want to do that for you as well, too. Do you have some time next week? No, I'm really busy. What's your response to that? No, I'm really busy. Is your response, oh, I'm so sorry to bug you. Listen, I'll I'll call you back at another time. no. You know, when somebody tells me, hey, you know, I'm really busy, I just don't have time for this, Ryan, my response to that is always, hey, listen, I completely understand. I mean, I know that you're busy. I mean, every single one of my clients that I talk to, every single person I reach out to, they're all incredibly busy. But I'll tell you one thing, though. They are all happy that they made time for me because when they met with me, I gave them real value. I provided them with some insights, some guidance that for them, that 20 minutes that they took out of their calendar, definitely worth it. And every single one of my prospects every single one of my clients is the exact same thing. So, if you wouldn't mind just just earmarking 20 minutes of time, I think I can bring some value to you. How does that sound to you? You know, and because of that people are like, hey, "You know, 20 minutes, sure, not a big problem. I can I can set aside 20 minutes for you." Sounds great. That's a very simple response to an objection. But the question is, have you prepared that objection? Have you prepared the response to that objection? Yes or no? Have you practiced that response? Yes or no. If you haven't practiced it, if it doesn't flow off your tongue, if you can't just, boom, as soon as somebody hits you with that uh, that objection, you're right there. You're hitting them, baby. You know exactly what that response is. So the takeaway that Jill wants to share with us here is that preparation is key. You have to come in prepared. And the more prepared you are, the more research you've done, the more you know about your prospect, how they make decisions, who's in the company, the hierarchy, you know, some of the news that's come out, the more prepared you are. The more research you've done, the more successful you're going to be. So don't just rely on your charm. Don't just rely on your charisma. Rely on research. Rely on preparedness. Last but certainly not least, golden nugget number four. Beat the status quo. So what do I mean by that? Jill Conrath has made herself very well known for talking about the status quo as your biggest competitor. And I completely agree with that. In a lot of sales situations, when I'm working on a prospect, it's not the fact that there's another competitor, another vendor who's in there talking to this company. No, most cases, it's just the need to change that I'm competing with. They feel like things are going okay right now. They're not great, but they're okay. And the need to change is quite uncomfortable. So I think we're just going to stay the same. The individual, the sales professional, the organization that is able to convince, compel, to bring a prospect along a path to show them how the status quo is detrimental to their business, if you're able to show that to them, quantify it for them, you're going to win. And if you can tell them, listen, this is how your world's going to be better by working with me and not staying at the current path you're in, you are going to win. Jill Conrath, not in the book, but in another post that she's written a a number of years ago, she says that in 90% of situations, your prospect is going to feel the status quo is the best way to go, which means that in 10% of cases, people are willing to change. In 90% of cases, people are comfortable with the status quo. And so it's your job as a sales professional to challenge the status quo. So how do you get through that? How do you beat the status quo? First and foremost, Jill says you have to start by understanding what their status quo is. Find out about the status quo. And so you start off with situational questions such as, you know, tell me about your current situation. Tell me more about your sales force. Tell me more about your marketing uh, efforts. Tell me, more about, your, um, tell me more, more about your resourcing process. Start asking more specific questions around what it is that you do. So if you sell um, website design services, you would start off by saying, tell me a little bit more about your marketing goals. What are you doing as far as marketing is concerned? And then start to tie that back into your website. You know, what are you doing with your website? Do you find there's a need for, to update your website? Do you find value in your website? Do you have plans for your website? Those kind of questions. The key here, though, that I find really interesting is you need to first off understand where they've come from. So tell me about your year. Tell me about how last year went. Then you got to find out where they're going. What's their strategy? Tell me about your next year to three years. What does that look like? And by understanding where they've come from and by understanding where they're going, you're going to get an understanding in terms of the status quo, where they're currently at. And then you can sort of figure out how you can help them by bringing them your offering. So now, once you've found out a little bit more about their status quo, their process, where they've come from, where they're going, the next thing you need to find out is their challenges. So you might want to ask about some of the issues they're facing. You know, what are the biggest issues you're facing right now? Uh, What are some of the challenges that affect your ability to reach your objectives this year? Those kind of questions are going to help you reveal different type of insights that you can then tie into what you can perhaps help with. You know, again, going back to website design. You know, what are some of the challenges? Well, you know, our website... It's just not pulling the kind of leads that we want. Perfect. There's a beautiful hook right there that you can just grab and say, okay, well now let's focus on that. How have my, how is my experience with websites, with lead generation, how can that help you? Right, very simple. Your three questions start by asking about their situation, specifically as it relates to your offering. Second, find out about the issues, the challenges they're facing. And number three, uncover the business impact of these challenges and discover what they're already doing about it. If you do those three things, you're going to help yourself by going after the biggest competitor that's out there, the status quo. All right, my friends, there we have it. That's Agile Selling by Jill Conrath. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I enjoyed the book. I felt that there were some really good takeaways from this that I wanted to share with you guys. Definitely go back, listen to this episode, take some notes down and try to incorporate just one or two things from this episode into your selling process, how you sell your products, how you sell your services. By just making small incremental improvements week after week, it's gonna make you a better professional. I've received so many emails, so many emails, and I love that you guys are sending me these emails. Thank you so much for that, by the way. I really appreciate that. But I'm getting emails from people who are using this podcast to just become smarter, to get better at what it is they do. And I love that. That's why I do this thing. And so for all you guys out there who are using this podcast to get better at sales, better at marketing, better at strategy, better at innovation and management, just becoming better human beings for crying out loud. Thank you for sharing that, that feedback with me. It makes it all worthwhile especially when you know i want to get this out there to you guys i'm dedicated to this podcast i'm dedicated to getting the content to you so the fact that uh, you guys show that appreciation to me it makes it all worthwhile when i'm sick and i gotta get my butt up and i gotta make sure i get this done get it launched get it edited and get it out to you guys makes it all worthwhile and it's very motivating so thank you thank you thank you from the bottom of my heart you guys um we got christmas eve coming up on saturday so uh, i gotta record this a little bit earlier because i'm gonna be celebrating christmas eve and christmas day with my family and friends and so uh, we have some family and friends in town and um so i'm really really excited from that got my sister coming in from new york city so i know she's one of my biggest fans she listens to this every week so i can't wait to have you in town stephanie really looking forward to it and uh i hope that you guys have a fantastic holiday and you know what you guys i got a favor to ask you guys it's a little weird. But if you guys give me a Christmas present, I would greatly appreciate it. And that present is share this podcast with your friends and family. Share it on LinkedIn. Share it on Facebook. Share it on Twitter. Whatever social network you use. Share it through conversation. If you guys can do that for me, I would greatly appreciate it. And because it's my mission to continue getting the podcast out there to people that need to hear it. People that are just so busy. They're so busy. They don't have time to read, but they want to read. They know they need to read, but they just don't have the time to. I'm trying to give them another alternative that'll help them get some of the golden nuggets from some of the books out there that I'm reading every single week. So if you guys wouldn't mind doing that, I would greatly, greatly appreciate that. Again, you guys, I hope you have an awesome, awesome holiday season. I love you guys. Take it easy.
1: not only transform you you transform the world around you and we collectively would transform the world as we know it today you and I were born with the gift to make this a better place even if we didn't improve we could make the world better right now we could encourage people compliment people we could solve problems we could pick up trash we could fix things we could bring new ideas But as you grow, you become a bigger source for the rest of life to express itself through you. You were put here for a reason. It's contained in that acorn. So nurture your nature. Figure out, first off, I am valuable, accept that. I wanna know who I am and I wanna know how I operate and how can I understand me better. And then I wanna nurture that nature. I wanna apply myself in the world and put myself to work in such ways that the rest of the world says, well, that's cool. If he or she can do it, I could probably do it. I wonder how they did it. And then we start spreading that and the ripple goes worldwide. So ask yourself every day, how would the person I'd like to be do the things I'm about to do?